Welcome to another edition of FAIR Conversations. My name is Fazi Adam. I'm a Research and Engagement Manager at the FAIR Initiative, and I'm delighted to be speaking today to Christina Ferners, a Global Communications Manager at Greek Seafood, about the salmon aquaculture sector and how it's meeting some of the sustainability challenges and opportunities that, that it's facing today. As investors begin to up the pace on decarbonisation, climate risk management and biodiversity loss, the food system has come under increasing scrutiny on these issues and particularly the livestock sector. It's widely appreciated that meat production is responsible for at least 14.5% of global GHG emissions, a third of global freshwater use and is a huge driver of global biodiversity loss, while at the same time being very, very dependent on natural capital for its continued success. And a lot of the research on moving towards sustainable food systems has stated that aquaculture has to kind of fill that gap in protein demand. So investors are increasingly interested in the aquaculture sector and some of the largest companies in aquaculture are Norwegian salmon aquaculture companies. So it's great pleasure to introduce Christina today and have her talk about kind of the history of aquaculture, what's been driving some of the growth in salmon production and how the sector can continue to develop in a sustainable way. It's great to chat to you today, Christina. Thank you so much for making the time to to speak to us today. And I think, as I mentioned in my introduction, aquaculture globally has seen incredible growth over the last few decades. And Norwegian salmon in particular has seen great success in terms of its production growth, its management of sustainability issues, and has really emerged as a world leader within the aquaculture sector for its approach to sustainability and, and innovation. What, what do you think is driving the, the growth in global aquaculture and Norwegian salmon production? Yes, yeah, so firstly, thanks for, for having me. It is a pretty exciting industry to, to be a part of. And yeah, it is interesting to look back a bit and, and, and see what has happened over the past decades. And I think there are a few reflections that have been the reasons for the growth we've seen. So first of all, there's a lot of potential to produce more food in the ocean. So today, less than 5% of our food comes from the ocean. And there's a lot of potential there if we do it right. Uh, but what we also see is that there is a limit to the amount of, of wild fisheries that we can harvest sustainably. And therefore, we have seen a shift from kind of in the same way that you've seen on land. So as human beings, we went from hunting to farming, right? A few thousand years ago, probably. And, and we've also seen now the same shift in the ocean. So going from hunting or fishing to farming the ocean. So that's one element. I think another part is that uh, we've really seen a, a growing middle class over the last decades, which has been coupled with an increasing focus on health and healthy food. Uh, and, and seafood has been able to deliver on that as a, as a healthy protein. And I think also like there is an increasing focus on sustainability and, and with food from the ocean, there are some aspects of, of seafood that are delivering on that, such as, for example, it has a low carbon footprint compared to other animal production. It has a low feed conversion ratio. So you need about between 1.2 to 1.5 kilos of feed to feed uh, one kilos of, of, of salmon, for example. 
and it also actually has a quite high edible yield. So you can use quite a lot of the fish compared to other animal proteins. So, so there, there, there is a lot of potential there. At the same time, obviously, uh, we do acknowledge that, that we haven't finished our journey. We're not where we want to be. So there's obviously a lot of challenges that we, we have to solve in order to fully utilize the potential for sustainable food production in the ocean. That health question is is really interesting as well, because if you look at a lot of the public debate around healthy and sustainable diets, there's been a lot of work that's been done around kind of what needs to change in the global food system to transition towards a food system that can kind of stay within planetary boundaries. Um, but not a lot of this research has typically taken the health impacts of, of diets into account as well. So how do you think that is an advantage for, for salmon producers? I think that's an aspect that is that we see an increasing focus on. And actually, maybe um, that, that is something that we've also seen now during the COVID-19 pandemic is that the health aspect is uh, more in focus. And from our perspective, to deliver uh, not only a, a protein with a low impact, and obviously we have to work to, to reduce that impact even further, but also protein that's healthy is, is a very important part of the contribution that uh, we think we can give to the future food system if we do it right and responsibly, of course. So I think that we'll see more focus on, on health going forward as a part of this global debate about the sustainable food system and, and the challenges we have to tackle in order to get there. Absolutely. And I, I think it's quite interesting that you mentioned that the health benefits of salmon have been quite helpful through the COVID-19 pandemic this year. Obviously, it's kind of upended food supply chains in, in all sorts of different ways. How, how has this impacted the salmon production sector and how has that added health benefit sort of helped kind of lift the sector through through this year? Most of the production have been upheld and there's obviously been a lot of uh, health and safety measures for, for staff and, and employees, etc. Uh, also, the, the supply chains that we have have remained for the most part open. Uh, but where we've actually uh, been hit or, or the most impact that has been in our markets and, and what we've actually seen is a big shift in demand during the pandemic. So obviously the, the hotels and restaurants disappeared basically as the markets were in, uh, have been in lockdown and the demand has been there we see actually quite a good demand but it has shifted to retail and actually what we are seeing is that there are quite a lot of new consumers starting to prepare salmon at home we're, we're positive although we are impacted at the moment we're quite uh, positive about getting out of this pandemic and when we can go back to to normal life and when the restaurants and hotels are opening again. There is a, a positive story there to be made in terms of both the increased health focus and also uh, more consumers being used to, to eating salmon also at home. And thinking about coronavirus's impacts on sustainability and ESG more broadly, I mean, do you think that the pandemic has shifted Greek's priorities in terms of sustainability and ESG, or are some of the key issues impacting the sector still very much your main focus? The main focus is still on, on the ESG factors that we already had from before. Uh, those issues are about protecting biodiversity and reducing our, our impact on nature. So, so, you know, for example, 
ensuring coexistence with wild salmon is, is and, and other species is uh, one very important aspect. And I, I don't think that we are 100% where we want to be uh, today. We definitely need to work uh, to better control uh, the, the ways that we can impact wild salmon, such as sea lice, for example. Another big issue is improving fish health and welfare. Obviously, that's very high on the agenda. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. A third aspect is developing new feed ingredients. Uh, that's a very big topic for everybody who does the animal uh, protein production. And um, yeah, I think that we have to learn a little bit from our past there as well, because in the past we used to have use a lot of marine ingredients. Uh, and actually we couldn't continue with that because that would not be sustainable in terms of, of uh, the fisheries we were in, then impacting. So, so, for example, soy was one of the ingredients we then started using, which has other challenges uh, connected to it, such as deforestation, etc., which we're now working, working a lot on. So I think that in developing new feed ingredients, we really have to look at it holistically. Uh, we will be a part of that. We have, we have said we will be a part of commercializing a new feed ingredients, but we have to make sure that, first of all, we're not having another impact that we didn't foresee in the same way that we did with soy right and 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 also that the, that we are actually going into ingredients that are commercially scalable so those are, i think key esg risks then of course also uh, we have the regular that everybody has so uh, you know reducing carbon emissions in production and supply chain very important going forward and also to have a more circularity or recycle more resources, et cetera, is also uh, another aspect that we share with with all industries, basically. Thanks for that, Christina. That's a really comprehensive overview, I think, of some of the challenges that the sector is facing. And you touched a lot upon all of the technology and innovation that's going on to kind of meet those challenges. And I was very lucky to be able to go and see some of Greek seafood sites early, earlier this year with you um, and kind of witness some of that technology and innovation firsthand. And it's really, really exciting to see Greek seafood and other players in the sector take really exciting developments that require a lot of investment, such as kind of developing these land-based smolt facilities to improve fish health and welfare um, can you tell us a little bit more about that and how that's helping improve performance? Yeah, so we are kind of pioneering food production in the ocean, so to speak, in terms of technology and innovation. And obviously, when nobody has really done it that before, then, then uh, you know, we have to try things, to try many things. And what we see as a sector is that uh, a lot of new solutions are tried. Uh, some are, are working some are working a little bit and some are not working. So that's basically like a, the name of the game, right? Um, that's how it is to develop. So one of the things we are really uh, investing in is to keep the fish for shorter time in sea. So the fish is already starting its life on land in our freshwater facility. And then we move it into the sea when it's about 100 grams. And, and in the nature, then that's when the wild salmon would go from the the freshwater rivers out in the saltwater fjords, right? And it's ready for that physiologically. So we're kind of mim mimicking that. And we think that by keeping the fish a shorter time in sea, so that's what we call post-smolt, so we keep it longer on land, then we think that um, uh, the fish will be more robust when we put it into the sea. It will be bigger uh, and it will also be less exposed to some of these challenges, so to diseases in the water or 
or sea lice, which is our, our biggest challenge today. So from our perspective, that is the, um, one of the key elements that we think will allow us to farm with a lower uh, impact and, and a better fish welfare going forward. Another, uh, another pretty exciting technology we are looking at is digitalization, artificial intelligence, machine learning, that type of, of, uh, of technology. And I think as an industry, we're actually quite behind many other industries in, in utilizing that, but we have now started. <laughs> uh, and, and we actually think that this type of technology can help the farmer. It will not replace the farmer, so the guys on the farms, but it can help them make decisions. And it's interesting that you say you think that the salmon production sector has a lot to learn from other sectors when it comes to using AI to inform decision making. What other sectors have you looked at? Kind of, Have you been benchmarking your performance against companies within the food production sector or have you been looking beyond? I think that we can learn a lot from regular farmers, uh, at least uh, some regular farmers on this, but also obviously other sectors. I mean, one of the aspects within food production and salmon farming that many other sectors don't have is the biological component, right? Many other sectors deal with technology, etc. only, but we actually deal with living animals and living fish, and each fish is so incredibly complex. <laughs> so, and nature is so complex, right? So we, we have a lot of experience-based knowledge uh, taking the industry very far over the last decades, but we think to couple that with a digital uh, solutions. It will be interesting to see how that plays out, and we have a lot of faith in that. So, so in that on that aspect, I think looking at the other farmers on land who also have the biological part that they're working with, working with nature, is is very helpful. And when you say working with nature, I think that sort of brings me to my my next question, if you will. I think. Um, the issue of climate change, global warming and climate risk to businesses is something that all companies in the food production space have to grapple with. And it's not something that is widely understood at this point in time. But at least for the livestock producers, a lot of these risks are starting to become apparent very quickly, whether that's um, droughts, reduced crop yields. How is this playing out for the aquaculture sector? Yeah, so absolutely. That is uh, on the agenda and increasingly so. And we're actually part of a, an EU project called Climfish, uh, which is doing research into precisely how climate change may impact aquaculture and, and especially in Europe. So the results so far from that project is showing that there are a lot of differences within one region, but also that the indications are that there may be temperature fluctuations. Uh, and that that may be one of the impacts that we will see. I also think, though, that a lot of the technologies that we're working on is going to help us uh, and be able to detect events early and set in mitigating measures, such as, you know, upwelling of cold water, adding barriers, stop feeding is one measure we do when, when let's say, there is an algae bloom, so that the fish will go lower down in, in, in the pens. Also things like, you know, deeper pens, you know, in, in Newfoundland now, we're, we're going to have 40 meters deep pens. But also, I think like other types of technologies like closed, semi-closed containment, um, maybe land-based, uh, offshore, etc. We are getting a lot of new technologies into the sector now. And, and that will give us the opportunity to use the technology that's 
fitting for each location and each condition. And when it comes to kind of looking forward and growing this industry, I mean, there's while the sector is doing very well at innovating to meet a lot of its challenges, some of the things we've talked about today, what are the sector's top priorities to make sure that it can continue growing in a sustainable way? I think top priorities are technological development and innovation, and actually to be able to par more preventatively, which is really, really key in terms of keeping our impact low and and having a a high fish welfare. In that sense, there are two working tracks in a way. So one working track is about continuously improve the the farming operations that we have today and understand more, test out new things, uh, work on getting new research and and knowledge that we can apply. So that's one track. And then the other one is is to work on the bigger technological innovations and and development, such as, you know, closed containment, land-based, offshore, all of these will have their own challenges. But I think that these working areas that are, are really high in the agenda going forward in terms of, of improving. And we're not happy with where we are today in terms of we're not content with status quo. We definitely need to improve on, on solving these challenges uh, to be a part of the, of the future solution. And how can investors support producers on that journey? We've seen an incredible amount of increased investor interest in the food sector this year and also in aquaculture as well. Um, And I think a lot of ESG-minded investors are really, really keen to see how they can use their influence as shareholders to really drive progress towards sustainable food systems. So from your perspective, how can investors support companies like Greek Seafood and and their peers on this journey? Uh, We need long-term investors that can take part in our improvement journey. As we've discussed in this podcast, we're dealing with nature, we're dealing with biology, super complex. And we're not going to find all the answers overnight. So to have investors that have this long-term perspective is really important for us. Uh, In addition, to focus on the improvements that they want to see and have a holistic approach to ESG is obviously very helpful. And I also think there are things that can be done through other financial instruments, like, for example, a green bond or even blue bonds, which are now coming up to to finance the sustainable ocean economy. One of the really exciting parts about industry now is that we used to be very marginal if you look at the bigger protein production sector. But now uh, we see a lot of increased interest, a lot of great people coming into the industry, but also a lot of new smart minds starting to tackle some of the challenges with new solutions, uh, with the new mindset. So to to invest that technological development uh, is, is also a, an area where the investors can play a part. Hey, well, it's great to hear that, you know, there's lots of energy and momentum and lots of, you know, talented people starting to look at these issues. And it'll be interesting to follow some of these new innovations and see how they pan out and what will hopefully be the start of, of a return to normal. And we're all looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. As we've learned from Christina today, the salmon sector is innovating in a number of ways and technology is moving at an incredible pace. And for investors, one of the ways that they can keep up with how producers are performing on some of these issues is by looking at the Colifair Protein Producer Index, which you'll be able to find on our website at fair.org. And this benchmarks the sustainability performance of 60 global animal protein producers from across the livestock and farm fish sectors, seeing how they perform on a variety of issues from GHG emissions 
deforestation, biodiversity loss, right through to governance of, of some of these sustainability issues. Well, thank you so much for, for spending your time with us and sharing some of your insights this morning, Christina. That's been really, really interesting and insightful. And I, I hope our listeners will, will learn something from this today. Um, but thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. And um, yeah, I hope we'll speak again on this soon. Thanks, Buffy.